Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. It's, it's, it's interesting, just like what our reaction is to, to things, right? Like my response, I talked about it. I, I made like several posts regarding uh, the dropping of the video, right? And I'm like... Damn, why do I, why am I anticipating this? It's something that feels, it felt nasty, right? It, it felt nasty. And so even, and not to say you should feel that way about trying to use the content in some capacity, but it's just like, where are we as a society where we look at the, the, the murder of a black man on film and our response and how we can not be in the moment, right? And try to take that moment much further, which I guess and it, it can be a noble thing, but also like I, I've just I've just seen like I've seen people like podcast folk with like a countdown till they start their conversation on it, and it's like maybe I'm no different, right? Maybe I'm no different with with having this moment right here, but it's just it's more so something I felt compelled to do because I, I I'm not going to be out there in the streets, you know, not tonight. So it's just like, how can I hold space for people in an authentic way for everything that's just transpired within the last hour and the the anticipatory grief of even the release of the video? Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I feel like me personally, there are multiple ways you can hold that space. Um because like you got more than like more than Instagram who listens to you and follows you. So like you got people on Facebook, you got a whole like, you know, radio things and stuff that you're doing. So I don't know. I feel like, and not even necessarily talking about the Trump, the traumatic situation that people just experienced, but more so like how we're processing it, validating feelings and providing resources. Cause that should be the goal as opposed to, because you know the podcaster the podcast community and i'm a part of it but you know it's going to be gossip related to it it's going to be uh the the clickbait stuff but as clinicians i feel like you know of course we have uh, a responsibility to show up differently in yeah. situations like that. and that's a that's a whole another conversation in itself right like how are we showing up in the social media space we're from just in general right yeah. but then as, as, as far as just how we're navigating situations like this, where we, we watch a, a black man. I don't know why you watched the video. Probably I have, I have no idea I why I watched the video, but we, but we watched the video and we see a, a black man 
get, uh, I don't even know the, the, the words to describe the violence that he was exposed to, whether he was under the influence of, or not, right? It was it was more so just the violence that we've become accustomed and that we should be accustomed to experiencing by the, the police, formerly slave catchers. So this is just the long lineage of the, the, the pain and the violence and the destruction and devastation caused by this sect of people. Yeah, and it's, it's really devastating to watch because you're absolutely right, right? So, like, of course, policing is um, rooted in, like, the, the, the slave uh, patrol, whatever, um, which was started in, like, near the 1700s or whatever. But to see, like, Black men doing that, right? It, it's like, for me personally, I felt such... Mm conflicting emotions watching this. And I don't know why I, I watched it like you, um, <laughs> but I felt such uh, conflicting emotions. Because on the one hand, I'm feeling emotions related to, you know, Tyree Nichols, feeling angry, feeling sad, feeling, I, I'm still shaking from, from watching the video. Um, but then I experienced like a different type of reaction after hearing what like the reporters were saying about the police officers. because. Uh, like just now there were there was a white reporter referring to them as thugs saying that you know the, these are this is how people act when you know they're they're thugs attacking people right and my initial reaction is whoa why why is he calling these black men the, the police officers thugs when in reality like it's like I, I don't know what to how to make sense of the uh, conflicting emotions that I'm personally experiencing so it was a lot yeah very heavy. yeah uh, you know we when you're saying they're referring to them as thugs, I, I put that something like that. It, it resonates to what I put social yesterday. I said the five black cops from Memphis who, who allegedly killed uh, Tyree Nichols about to get their Negro, Negro wake up call. They're going to see that they're not white, not a cop and definitely not a white cop. And, and I wasn't surprised. Um, just, again, just the experience in, in Philly and it just Philly police in general, whether black or white or any other ethnicity slash gender, uh, the response is, is typically one with aggression, a lot of aggression, a lot of force, uh, uh, lack of attempts to de-escalate. Uh, and that's been my experience personally, as as well as yeah. what I've seen. So and so for them to, to plaster the five black guys, it was just like I just saw blue. I just saw blue i didn't i because i i think there's a i don't think it, just like i don't believe any any black man black woman black non-binary person belongs in the in the white man's army right like like the black panther said I, they don't belong in the white man's police department right and there's a part of yourself that you have to ignore you have to willfully ignore in order to participate in that job Right. There's no such thing as a is a, a good cop when we consider no. what we just no. saw, when we consider what we just saw, not even the five that were uh, violent towards Tyree, but also the, the seven or eight that were standing around just watching as he fell yeah. on the ground repeatedly and then being set up on the car. So, yeah, I don't I don't. I, you know, I'm going to abolish the police, uh, abolish the judicial system, all of it. I don't know what the proper recourse is. 
right? But I do know that there needs to be some type of accountability uh, for what we saw. For sure, for sure. And even going back to your point of like the, the officers who just stood by and watched, um, you know, I know we often talk about like, you know, the, the political side of things like, well, in order to be, you know, in this part of Congress or to be president or whatever, you have to be complacent with white supremacy in some ways. It's the same way with policing. And so I think um, we, we saw that manifested today, uh, especially with the officers who just stood by and watched. Who, who actually were, you know, facilitating the action, but also yeah. standing by and watching. Like, that's literally complacency. I don't know what other way to, to describe that. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it's-, it's Are you on, I, on your Wi-Fi? Yeah. My screen cool, yours all right? Mine <laughs> is good. I got files. I got yours files, is, so let me, let me see. Uh, I had this issue. Is that better? Can you hear me? Okay, so it's cool. I can hear you. It, I mean, <laughs> you blurry, but <laughs> I can hear you. All right. No, I, I mean, I, I agree with the points that you made. It, you know, you, we, I think we automatically assumed, I could speak for me personally, um, I automatically assumed that it was five white people, right? Four, yeah. three, three, you know, at least three white people, two black people, uh, three black, two black persons. Uh, I was shocked, but again, and plus I watched First 48, I'm gonna be honest, right? I've watched First 48 multiple seasons and you you get a chance to get, you get a glimpse into, into these police departments, right? But I get, once you know one police department, you know them all. Uh, but it was something especially egregious about Memphis, Memphis, New Orleans, these hotbeds uh, where black folk are the primary residents, right? Uh, you know, we tend to say, and it might be speaking anecdotally, you tend to see like the over-policing, right? Even, we see, even see that here in, in Philadelphia with the militarization of police. So you'll see a high concentration of police in, in one area. You'll see a cop car stationed on a specific block for 24 hours. Um, seven days a week. So again, it's like the surprise, but I wasn't surprised as far as like a visceral reaction from me. I wasn't, I thought I was going to be like balling. My mother called me this morning and my mother never calls me about things like this, right? And she says she heard the mother's voice and her crying, him crying out, mom, you know. Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like he, he did numerous times, and she said she just wanted to make sure that I was okay. And that was the first time, right, that she's done that with regards to police videos specifically that gets broadcasted. And for me, as it was getting closer, I had to call my daughter like, listen, don't watch this. Right. It might come up across your TikTok. It may come across your social media. Your friends might send it in the group chat, but do not watch this. And this is one of the times I hope you trust me, <laughs> you know, where I'm really leading you hopefully the right way by not exposing you to this type of trauma at such a young age because it becomes continuous. It's, it's why I'm numb 
in watching that video. I will, it's hard. I hate to say I was expecting a lot worse, which again is how we're conditioned. I heard as bad as Rodney King, and I remember seeing Rodney King, and I remember the verdict, seeing that in class, and I remember the OJ verdict, seeing that in class. And so, dare I say, I was let down, which is problematic. And and highlights the desensitization from it, and highlights the impact of white supremacy, right. and and the influence that it has on. To where I was watching it on CNN, and they were treating it like first take with Stephen A. Smith, where they're sitting analyzing the video, going back and forth, have the commentators, and I'm like, is this football? Is this basketball, or is this the we're watching the the act of murder? of a black man. I mean, if, go ahead. And I, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm glad you named it like that desensitization. Um, because when, when we're, of course, like our history is traumatic in this country, right? So not only just like based on what we personally experience, but what our ancestors experience, like people don't realize like that's, embedded in us like that was that's passed down transgenerationally yeah. like biologically right so when we watch some of these things like yeah there's a there's systematic desensitization is real so i might not have that same reaction as someone else who might be shocked or surprised uh that they're they're watching it for the first time yeah because this ain't our first time experience of this this generation yeah this it's, is what it's, we've been especially through. that it's now on video and it, and it gets circulated. I, I made a post today, and I, I'm gonna pull up whoever requested to go live. I don't have a problem with anybody coming on, you know, expressing themselves. I I posted about how damn. What did I post about? I post so much stuff. <laughs> I posted about how how it is it is necessary that we share these videos. I know there's a there's a a segment of of the world of people on social media who like do not show it, and I wholeheartedly feel for you. And and if that's your truth, lean into your truth, right? I advocate for you not to watch it. But as we see, video wasn't enough for a, a long time. Like we can we can date back to times where we've seen things on video, but because it didn't have the traction from the people the groundswell right. that it went no further. I think about Rodney King and how we watched him literally be kicked and punched for a minute upon minute upon minute and then how they were found not guilty. And again, there's a, a long history of, of this taking place. So now we're in this social media era where we're sharing it, we're sharing it not only uh, locally, nationally, but internationally as well. And we see the, the support that comes from this, where you have the president, you have the Senate, you have the police chief, you have all of these people doing preemptive <laughs> strikes. Like, hey, hey, this is terrible. We're going to handle this. Do I think they're doing that without the people and without it being shared on social media? I don't. I don't. Uh, not to say that they're they're you know, their statements mean anything because we know that they're hollow. But ultimately, I'm I'm for sharing it. I won't share it myself. But I understand the need for it to be 
to be shared. So. Yeah. I, and I guess like where I'm finding difficulty in, like how do we find that balance then? Because I do feel like there's a significant level of gaslighting that Black people in this country experience when we talk about like racism, discrimination, especially when we live these experiences, right? So when we call the police and tell them about hate crimes or like, you know, being targeted by police, when we talk about these things, we're often gaslit. So we need that video-based footage. Yeah. We need witnesses. But on the other hand, like, I'm one of those people, I like watching stuff like that. Like, it, it really triggers me. So I, I guess I'm wondering, like, how, where do we kind of like meet in the middle? Like, how can we protect the mental health of Black people and also provide, you know, video evidence in order to kind of support our statements and the, the experiences that well, we had? Everything is for everybody. Like, some people will have a, a strength. I, I realized, and I, I wouldn't even, I don't even know if it's a strength. So I don't, I don't even want to characterize it as that. I remember from my early days in social work, working in child welfare, and I would go out to hospitals and see kids beat, and I would uh, interview sexual predators and was able to do it without my feelings being attached, right? And, uh, and, and something like this, that may be a benefit, right? Where we do have the people who have the bandwidth to have the, the ability to for this fight, right? And so then we might have people on the back end, I don't even want to say the back end, who's right beside us, who's able to do something else, who's able to come up on the live afterwards to hold space and say, let's have a conversation about what you might feeling if you heard the scuttlebutt about what's taking place. So I think a space for, for all, yeah. we just have to know ourselves. And that goes back to the to what we always talked about, where we don't necessarily know ourselves to be able to recognize what we can and cannot handle and navigate because it's right in front of us. Because if that's the case, all of us would have been on hiatus from from socials, right? Or many more than than actually are. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think the problem is that that awareness piece though that you you brought up like not knowing what our triggers are and not knowing how much we can take or not take because in that moment when i i just watched mm -hmm. i told you i was watching it i i don't yeah. think i should have i, I think i lacked <laughs> self-awareness which happens in that moment. right which which happens because it's like you got me yeah. pressing you like yo break the <laughs> break the me like you need to get <laughs> you need to get on I should have been like, and again, that's something for me to be mindful of as a friend, right? Like, now, yo, I need you to get on, but don't watch it, right? Or, or wait till you get on and then tell you what I got you on about, as opposed to, so I'm not leading you to a place, because again, that's where we, we hold each other accountable. We do need to be our one another's keeper in moments like this. I agree, I agree. I want to hear their thoughts. What they thinking? Somebody was. Yo, about to cute. I don't know what happened to the sister. I watched okay. till the other. Day. I watched till the other day and just cried and cried hard simply for the fact his mom had the courage to show the world what happened to her son. Word. Mm. Have you now? That's something I won't do. It's interesting, right? I won't. I watched this video on CNN, but I won't watch till. 
I won't watch Emancipation. I won't watch those those slave narrative films. Um, what do you think about that? The fact that I'll watch this, but I won't watch till insert slave narrative movie, black traumatic movie yeah. name here. I was going to say it, it makes sense because we know those types of movies are, are often like not written by us. The money usually isn't going in our pocket, right? So of course we're, we're helping, you know, Hollywood and America capitalize off of our trauma. Um, but watching like a real life situation would be different. But I also feel like they capitalize off of that too. Like you, do you think the views from this past hour on CNN, it, they stayed the same? No, they definitely went up. I'm pretty sure y'all are capitalizing off of this. I haven't seen, um, What's his name? I haven't seen Don Lemon on CNN. In the they, they rolled him back but out, they're, huh? They're they rolled the, the, to, the Negro back yeah, out. Yeah, like, like y'all are y'all are using this moment right yeah. now. Y'all are y'all are milking this, right? So I, I get, I, but I, I think it's like two sides of the same coin for real. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's it's the, you know. hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Capitalizing off, off, black, off black pain is profitable in every aspect. We see CNN, we see the coverage. Yeah. We see the police officers who are hired to to police these these black neighborhoods who are who are trained to to mm -hmm. disproportionately engage with non-white persons, black folks specifically. So to bring them into court to try everything, right? The bail bondsmen and, and so forth and so forth. It's a it's big business, right? The prisons. And so recognizing yeah. that, I, I you know I I always wonder, like, like, how should I personally be responding? Yeah, I question, like, is this enough? Is this is this form of because I do think this is a form of activism. I do think this, you know, we need black folk alive. We we need black folk to think critically about situations that we find ourselves in. So this and this is a form of activism. But I, I often wonder, am I doing enough in moments like this? I think we have to kind of understand our own capacity for stuff like that too, right? Because we're very much black as well. Like we're experiencing these emotions too. So I know for a fact, like if tomorrow wasn't Saturday and it was a weekday and I had clients lined up, I probably mm. wouldn't be good to do a session tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm cool with it. Yeah. yeah. But 
it's really about like recognizing the, the capacity that we have to to hold space for other people while also allowing ourselves to experience and yeah. you know have these emotions ourselves. I, I think for me, and and you can speak for yourself. I, I think like this quest for Black liberation, I, I find myself energized for it, um, and so. When, when there are moments like this, I think it's less of, do I have the bandwidth, but do I, am I using my skill set to the best of my abilities? So sitting here talking and, and ha- trying to get folk to think critically, not only about their wellness, but just critically in general, is that enough? Or should I be out in the street? Should I be out uh, leading the marches, leading, you know? And, and so again, this is something as I, as I, lean into my blackness, right? I, the questions I've really start to ask myself and I, and, and this goes into that whole, you know, black liberation psychology, how, how we were going from one end of the spectrum to the opposite, to the others, you know, where we really start to, we're hyper-focused on black folk. And I think that's the space where I'm in now, where I'm hyper-focused on black folk. And then it's just like, okay, now what can I do to fully taking this 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 emotion, this energy, and translating into something that's tangible that can be utilized for the cause. Yeah, yeah. Um, Darren said he wanted to join us live. Darren, come through. You only got to be on for a couple minutes if you got somewhere to go. But um, <laughs> no, for real, what you're saying is valid. But I want to ask, like. You say you wonder if you're doing enough, but like, what does enough look like, and whose standard is that? Like, is that your personal standard, or could this be like maybe outside pressures, or you feel like people might be looking to you to do certain things, or like, what what would enough look like, and who was it? I mean, the ancestors. The ancestors tell me tell me enough, um, and that it's not enough. Uh, it and just and, and so when I go back and I and I read their stories. Um, you know, even contemporaries who are who are out literally doing the work, I, I often feel I often feel convicted about what it and I know you like that word. <laughs> I often feel convicted <laughs> feel convicted about what am I out here doing. And so again, it's, there continues to be a shift. Yeah. And the more I show myself grace and recognize, I can I I can't be them right i can't emulate them in certain ways but i i can if i'm if i'm working to capacity if i'm raising healthy children and doing what i need to do for the people in any capacity that that's a that that's a win uh but for me again it's just something i I continuously continuously navigate the more i spend time in this sphere as opposed the other um yeah my my (laughs) My dissertation chair said Biden just posted a, a statement. And of course, you know, I'm not going to be at residency tomorrow. I got to be with the people tomorrow. So, so this is notification. I won't be in residency tomorrow, Steve. I'll email somebody. You know, I don't care. When it comes to, again, just we see that, the, especially for, I can't speak for black women. And I'm going to let you do that. But just the, those, those feelings when it comes to, to protection that Darren was talking about and, and wanting to protect and, and feeling the need to protect. We know what we're going to see from, I already started seeing protests in, in Memphis. 
I started seeing black women, whether it's queer, whether it's trans, whether you know it's it's uh, cis hetero black women at the forefront of that. So can you can you speak to that? Just as far as just this idea of of protection and the toll it might take. So protection, that's interesting. Um, because I feel myself not only going into protect protective mode for Tyree, but I told you like earlier about that natural reaction I had when protecting the the, the officers who were mm. clearly wrong, but it was kind of like a situation where like, okay, I can talk about my family, but you can't, right? From that perspective. Like, I think hearing people who were non-Black label these these officers, these individuals who did this heinous act as like these thugs or whatever, that bothered me too. Like, the, so I, my mode, I instantly went into that like protective mode. So am I wrong for having this... I guess, natural reaction to want to protect both parties. Like, is I don't know. It's giving weird, honestly. <laughs> it's, it's I don't giving, like that feeling. It's giving it's human. It's giving human. When I saw him, when I saw him, it was like, damn, brothers. Like, it wasn't y'all muffed. It was, damn, they, they got y'all. Yeah. And when I say they got y'all, not this idea of you can Killing Tyree and being brought up on charges, but the system it got his claws into you, and you started acting like them, where you couldn't see the humanity in another brother to even to try to intervene. You adopted that, that us versus them mentality when actuality, every if you if. If they and and this is where we get into that 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 whole idea of the importance of black teachers uh, with within the schools. If if you saw yourself, they didn't see themselves in him. Right? No. They didn't see themselves in them. And maybe if that level and it, that goes back to what are you grounded in? What they're grounded in is they're grounded in police culture. They're grounded in unhealthy masculinity, which are called toxic masculinity, patriarchy. White, so they're grounded in all of that and not grounded in blackness. Because even if you take that job as a as a police officer, how you show up is still going to be somewhat different. When I worked in child welfare as a police adjacent social worker, which was really the, the thing, I was still acting. I was doing some harm reduction. Right. I was still taking a, they might hit you with 10 arrows, but I'm getting hit with like four of them just to protect you a little bit. And they, they can't even say that because again, what are they grounded in? Absolutely nothing. Self paycheck, right? Cause they probably get a healthy paycheck from, from all of this, that the autonomy that believe I read that they were part of the scorpion unit. So they have, they can run roughshod around the hood. And they just ran into somebody who, I don't know, who pushed back. Somebody who pushed back. The crazy thing is, like going back to what you were saying about being immersed in their culture, 
right? So like uh, immersed in police culture, which is essentially, um, you know, rooted in white supremacy, of course. We talked about that earlier. Um, being immersed in that culture to the point where they, they almost like a delusion, like to the point where they actually believe they're accepted in that culture. Like y'all actually think that they, they got y'all back. But even hearing about, you know, the, the way they were talked about, right? So like talking, Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Protocol was missed. Like all they they picking y'all apart, and y'all thought y'all was gonna get protected by these people. Yeah. And I I think that as a as a people, there really has to come to a place to where we learn to socialize like the, the racial socialization piece which is very important especially in, in childhood we learn to immerse ourselves in our own culture in order to learn you know what it means to be black what it means to see your brother see your sister and experience that that racial uh empathy right to, to see my, myself in you as opposed to you know seeing this person through the lens of white supremacy because that's essentially what y'all did. Y'all automatically saw the brother yeah. and you you criminalized him. That's literally yeah. a product of white supremacy. You saw him and you saw an unhinged black man. That's that's a product of white supremacy because he he didn't even do anything. Even if he did do something, it wasn't means to 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 respond in the heinous yeah. way that y'all did. So we really got to dismantle you know a lot of these things that that uh, are are reinforcing these these reactions that these people yeah. are uh, portraying. Yeah, I mean, they, and they all looked, and, and feel free if you want to hit the, the go live button. I mean, I got like 15% battery left, so I'm here for a little bit of time. Uh, feel free to hit the hit the go live button. Why wouldn't you charge your phone? You knew that you wanted to go live. <laughs> it happens. I got a charger here. It's just a little, it, it slow charges. That's all, it slow charges. Uh, but it makes you think, like if they, if they read, uh, George Jackson, if they read Mumia Abu-Jamal, if they read Asada, if they read these, these, these critical works at 13, 14, prior to getting into law enforcement, again, would that have changed anything? Like that's what, and that's what I've been sitting and wondering a lot as we, as we look here in Philadelphia with, you know, even though I, I I think how they portray gun violence makes it worse than it is. Um, you know, when we talk about per capita people, what have you. I, I often wonder if in these schools with these black and brown boys, if if they were grounded in their history, not just the history of Dr. King, uh, the, the people will roll out next month, but really immersed in it, where that became the focal point what would that look like? What would that look like? And again, it's not the, I, I, again, I don't know who's responsible. It's definitely our responsibility as a community to educate our children, but. It is, yeah. Oh man, it's just, you know, I want to curse. It, it's so it's, just, it's, quite, it's I do, because it's, it's, it's so frustrating because the information is there, the knowledge is there, the, the people who have the desire to, to, spread this information to hopefully because this is going to happen again these next five uh, these next five officers are right now in like fifth grade right right now and they're in they're in pre-k 
that's going to portray these 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 animalistic behaviors towards black folk and so if they're not go ahead it's so crazy no go ahead no 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 you can't i was gonna say like it's crazy because even thinking about like you know us kind of trying to figure out like okay whose responsibility is it should it be more immersed in like the family or is it like the schools or whatever and it's it's crazy because this whole thing is systemic so like even if Okay, but let's say the, the fifth graders right now, they, they grow up to be police officers or whatever. The way these kids in today's society, I was recently talking about this on the podcast, these kids in society or in these school systems are criminalized, right? So like when I was contracted with the D.C. Uh, public schools, you, you got metal detectors. You, like this is what they're and think yeah. about psychologically what yeah. that does to a black and brown kid. You're thinking like, OK, I, I'm I'm a criminal, like I'm treated like a criminal, even you know, when pursuing educate, like it, it's so it's so embedded and deeply rooted in our culture. So when we think about ourselves as you know being criminalizing criminals, of course you're going to look at your brother, or your sister, and see yeah. them as criminals too. Like this this whole thing is literally systemic, and that's why I feel like you know a lot of these systems we we do have to abolish it, from the police department to the way we school our children to the way we rear at home. Like all these things really play a role in. The, the becoming of these these types of officers and it's just not the officers who's like this because i'm pretty sure it's y'all got teachers who acting like this they just don't have a gun or a taser to, to tase your children y'all got you know like like it's a lot of black people like this we just have to do a better job of dismantling these systems that have embedded these ideologies of white supremacy that causes us to see our brothers and sisters as criminals like the whole thing is whack Listen, I was I, I was not going to step on that. I was just going to let that cook because that's because you was going, you was rolling, you was rolling. As, as this might be a first. I haven't seen you like this, or maybe it's been a maybe it's been a while. For real? I feel like I get like this on the podcast, not on live. I, I'm usually a lot more buttoned yeah, up yeah, on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> and so and so what happens is is interesting, uh, and I promise you it relates. So I, I went on Twitter. Cause I was, I was hawking like the release of the video. Like it was an album, you know, waiting for the store to open up or waiting for some sneakers to drop at 10 o'clock on the sneakers. At Exactly. I was sitting there waiting. And what I saw earlier was I saw Emmanuel Acho, who I'm a, a who I critique often. Uh, he, he does the uncomfortable conversations with a black man and Van Lathan, who formerly of TMZ and whatever other stuff he does. And make a, lo- uh, a long story less long, Emmanuel Acho was talking about the reason why he does it is because as a, as a Nigerian man, he doesn't have the, the generational trauma uh, that Black Americans uh, have in, in that regard, talking about Chattel slavery. In reality, we know he's wrong. He's nonsense and van let him know about that but what it, one key point that he said was he was like it's this idea of like you're the good he called them you're the emotional butler for for white people and it's like this 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 type of othering and this is what we see with these five yeah. these five brothers i'm still gonna call them brothers because they they still here because ultimately if and chant if if and when they get to see the light of day again going to be the ones that have to embrace them when it's all, all said and done with because the police department that they're associated affiliated with they're no longer there 
And so they're going to have to come home to black folk. And, and I think that's something that's often missed in this situation. The same, the same black folk that you perpetuated harm on for X amount of years during your time uh, as, a, as, a, as an officer. But again, it's this idea of othering. I'm, I'm not them Negroes. I'm above them. That's why I can sit and talk right. about what went down. I can sit and talk about hit them in the same spot again with the baton. Yeah. But we also, and, and what was it her in the initial video, they had the white officer he talked about, I hope they stomp him. I hope they stomp him. The white after he ran away. Mm. And so what this means is this isn't the first time that this has happened. Because no. a lot of times what happened is either the the body camera's off, which at times it was fickling on and off, or they're doing it to the person who doesn't have the ability to go and, and file a police report. Why? Because they sell drugs. They in the game. So they can't snitch. So they just got to take the beating. And then just chalk it up as a loss for real for real it i'm hearing the, like the, the concept of like elitism within our within our community um pertaining to these officers who thought that they were above other black people because that's essentially what it is right so me feeling as though I'm above you, like othering. Therefore, me targeting you or, you know, doing whatever it is that I want to do to you isn't going to be seen as, like, problematic or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. No. No, nah, take, take your time. No, it, make, it makes sense. It is. It is this cast-esque type of, of system that as a result of capitalism, yeah. as a result of, again, we keep saying the names, bell hooks, set of, set of the thought, I don't know if I need to continuously say it, but this is what happens. It's the reason why the poor black, the poor white folk could vote against their own interests by voting for Trump, <laughs> just to, to spite black folk, right? To, to, mm-hmm. to spite brown folk. It's the exact reason reason because if we can show put something in place if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a big mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your mcdonald's bag as a placemat then that wasn't a road trip it was just a really long drive at participating mcdonald's where we can highlight some type of disparity some type of difference then we're going to do it and so we do this with the money you made it out, you made, you graduated from high school. You don't have, clearly you don't have a criminal record. So you one of them ones, you made it out. Now you got the, you could go be a cop now. As opposed to your peers, they didn't. And so again, this, this goes back from, to, to what you're talking about in the, in the school system and the educational system, is there's a, a, a school to prison pipeline for a reason, right? Starting at what, third grade, they're able to determine who's going to go to prison and who's going to potentially mm-hmm. um, do something constructive, whatever that might look like with their life. Like we could see that early on and we start to see the disparities in who's going to detention. We know it's black and brown. 
brown boys who's getting expelled, suspended, black and brown boys and girls, mm-hmm. most notably girls. Now, you know, when I think about it, we talk about suspensions and expulsions. Mm-hmm. And so what this does is this, this what gets you to label, this gets you to diagnosis, potentially conduct this, this gets you your conduct disorder. Not that the white, not that the white teacher is terrible. It has no classroom management mm-hmm. skills and the whole school uh, looks like a prison. So aesthetically, it, it, it's exactly, exactly. And it triggers you emotionally and psychologically, the, the dull, dim colors as you walk in, which impacts your mood and cause you to, to react in order to stay lively in, in some capacity. We're having to sit still for eight hours in a day, which we know isn't healthy. It isn't normal. It's not realistic. But you can't do it. But what we're going to give you this medication we're going to give you this diagnosis we're going to put you in this emotional support class that is going to be easy for you to get into but hard as hell for you to get out of so you're going to take these remedial classes quote-unquote remedial classes until you're like hey why the hell am i going to school with these remedial classes i'm just not going to go now what options do i have and so well, yeah, when you put them up against against them, it's just like, hey, I'm better than you because of this. And it makes you even wonder, because, like I said, the police officers ain't the only ones who, like, think like this. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's just most more, um, I guess, like, at the forefront, because, like, they have guns and tasers yeah. and a bunch of other things that harm people but like i'm even thinking about like doctors like black doctors like people in healthcare, like you know people who work with other black people who could actually be inflicting harm due to their own lack of uh progressing through like their their racial identity. i mean we ain't gotta go no further we ain't gotta say like this i promise you we ain't gotta say others we can say we can say you we can say me like we if if we're honest how many times have 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 I walked past, and I, I don't do it any longer, I've walked past a, a black homeless person and kept walking just because I didn't want them to ask me or not make eye contact with them like they're less than human, right? How often do we do that? Somebody's standing there and they, they might have a cup at the light and they're like, you got some change and we might automatically assume they're going to use it for no good or we just we ignore them. We go into our phone instead of acknowledging the humanity and say, no, nah, I don't have it. Or, and it makes you wonder where did that type of thinking come from? I mean, we know where it comes from. <laughs> we know where it comes from. Again, it's not to say that all black folk throughout history have we've we've just been this this amazing people to one another. No, we we're human too, right? But this aspect of it, where it's there's it, no dignity, it's no humanity. Uh, it's easy to just have conversations about pulverizing somebody and talking about how your knee hurt as a result of it, looking for your flashlight while somebody's actively uh, has brain swelling and not doing anything to take them to the hospital. Yeah. Again, feel free to hit the to hit the go live button if you feel so inclined. If you got thoughts, again, we watched the video. We probably shouldn't have watched the video in in hindsight because it's it's just we once you've seen one police murder you've seen them all. <laughs> Unfortunately, but I think 
but so I'm gonna call you out on that. That's problematic to even think though, because that that reinforces that pattern mm-hmm. of being desensitized to it. Yeah, no, it is. I'm not sitting here saying it's not. <laughs> I'm not sitting here saying it's not. Um, you know, when I saw when we see what happened, gosh, it's such a list of of people that we've seen things happen to. And I may have seen I didn't watch the full George Floyd eight minutes or whatever. I, I just did, I didn't want to watch it. Um, maybe it just caught me on a bad day. Because clearly I was able to watch the 20 some odd minutes of this. Right. But no, it is. We are desensitized. It's the reason why we're able to do what we do. There's a level of desensitization and that that exists in order to be in the mental to be black in, in any profession, but specifically professions like uh psychology, like mental health, like education, right? You gotta ignore a whole lot of stuff, right? And if you're exposed to it long enough, what well, you are gonna be desensitized to it. But that also, and I agree with you, I do. Cause I feel as though I feel the same way when we talk about like, unfortunately suicide. Right. Um, so like when a person is talking about no longer being here, like, especially when you work in inpatient hospitals or whatever, like that's, that's the norm. Every client comes in most of the time with SI. When it comes to this, I feel like that desensitization piece that just reinforces that side of like, it dehumanizes us. It, it dehumanizes us. It, it no it no longer allows us to be empathetic toward people who might be having that that visceral reaction, where they're you know overly anxious or or you know just experiencing all the the signs and symptoms that we talk about related to um, to uh, race based trauma. So I don't know. I, and, and, so like, and how do we get resensitized? And, and now that you say that, I don't know if I want to be desensitized. Because I don't know what that means for my survival. Hmm. I can when I think. Of, go ahead. You don't want. You don't want to be desensitized or resensitized. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't want any type of change in how I respond. Um. um I don't. I don't want to change how I respond. Looking at my little five percent. <laughs> don't yell at me. I don't want to change how I respond to traumatic situations at this point. I, because I think if, if there's any change at this point, it could potentially mean my demise. And so I, I, I need to have a level of desensitization in order to exist in the world like I know it today. Not the utopia that I have in my mind, does that does that make sense? Like the world, the like the world I desire to see, no. I would love to be desensitized for that. But for what what I'm at right now, yeah. no, I need to be able to take this information, hopefully process it in a in a healthy way the majority of the time, and then be able to continue on because of the work that's needed to be done. Yeah, I, and Pastor Carl, feel free to join the conversation. Um, the the de, to, to be desensitized to it that that's that's a result of trauma. Yeah, right. We know that, and 
trauma survivors have that response. It's like becoming desensitized to things that remind them of the traumatic experience because it's Protection. a form of yeah. like protecting yourself, right? It's your, your brain, your body's way of protecting itself. So you're saying for you, this idea of being desensitized to black trauma is as a means to like protect yourself, but is it to protect yourself for you personally or so that you can be of use to other people? I mean, I think it's, it's both. Number one, I have to I have to be around. We have to be around in order to fight, right? Like the the best, the, the, what does they say? The best availability, something they say in sports about availability. You got to be available, right? To, to be able to participate in what's taking place. So for me, being desensitized and watching a video like this and, and cognitively recognizing that it's extremely problematic, uh, devastating, to to not only myself but to black folk but to humanity but then not having a a visceral response emotional response where i'm anxious where i'm nervous uh is a is a is a healthy thing dare i say because it allows me to continue on which again is the is the name of the game until i can get to a place where um i got part of that jay-z uh, millionaire uh, acres in, in Nigeria, wherever he has it, I'm just able to live in the lap of luxury. But while I'm here, I need to maintain as much uh, I need to be able to, to maintain my sanity by any means necessary. Yeah. I don't know. And that's no, that is valid, and I hear you. As, as long as it's not, as long, that's what I'm about to say, as long as it's not destructive, like where it can be, like okay. me acknowledging that, yeah, I'm desensitized to watching this video. That's why I was able to watch it, recognizing that making sure I'm not becoming desensitized in other areas of my life as well, right, to to where I'm engaging with black folk, where I'm able to have empathy and love and for that, just because I'm not feeling that from watching this video, but I'm still able to, to have healthy emotions for black folk. And I don't, I don't lose that to where I'm just numb to everything. I don't feel at all. But that's the slippery slope of, of the effects of trauma though. So like if, if we're, comfortable with being desensitized to it what happens with like systematic desensitization right it, it continues to happen it's not just like a a, a one-stop shop where you just automatically become desensitized and shut down no it's something that happens over a period of time so eventually it could get to a place where because we're so desensitized to the things that we might see on tv the things we experience in real life that it does turn off certain emotions and does impact our ability to be empathetic toward clients who are who are black toward our, our family members who might be experiencing uh racial stress like you know all those things can result from that so how do you so how do you I, push back against personally, that I feel as though, yeah so I, I feel as though i think being present and being aware and being sensitive to it is necessary but it's also necessary to learn to know how to like process it and to work through it as opposed to becoming desensitized to it as a means to like just wanting to do it, do your job. 
and to to be effective with clientele. And that's why I asked you that question. Like, do you want to be decentized for yourself or for yeah, it's, I, because No, I, I was just going to say, I, I think for me, it's when, so moments like this, so I, and don't get upset. I was in Uncle Bobby's today, right? And so, you know, I had some good laughs with some good folk for a good few hours, knowing what was coming down the pike, right? And so that's how I, okay. I maintain my sense of, of of sanity. I avoid, I, I push back against the, the, de- yeah. the full-fledged desensitization, which would come place, but which would take place by me eliminating myself from these spaces to be able to experience joy um, in all of these, in love, in all of these other emotions, right, and experiences. So I, I think it's just like for this and knowing what I feel I'm tasked to do, leaning into this other space is that much more critical because that's not going to, I've noticed like the joy that I experience is not going to change this desensitization to this type of shit because I think I'm so hyper-focused yeah. on it and it's a, it, it's another emotion that's cut, that comes up in the midst of it um, Yeah. that it's not going to ever change that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, first of all, don't be going to my spot without me, but I want to read this comment because he summed up exactly what I'm saying. So he said, official Norway said, I believe there's a way to stop, process, and feel what we feel and move forward without derailing your entire focus, right? The power of the dialectic. So I can process it and move forward with it. And I think what you're describing, the fact that you were intentional about kind of like processing, you knew that this was going to be a hard day. I think that, I mean, that that proves it. This is something that. Oh, no, it's not. It's not to say that it doesn't bother Um, me, but I do know, I I think what I'm speaking about is I, I do think that there is a for those who are in this work, this black living liberation work from the ancestors up until present day, there is a, a numbness that you have to have. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody to, to be on the front lines and and challenging systems due to the effects of what can take place. Right. Not to say they don't feel the effects of it. But you have to have a, a certain, it's like both for ignorance to emotions in order to work towards the goal at hand. So, but in, but with this, I'm just talking about again, like visceral responses, like putting it on. I was expecting something yeah. to feel something different, and I didn't feel it. As opposed to, but I think. It. What I'm saying is, I think you didn't feel it as intensely as you expected because you had prepared. For oh it. no, I don't think I could have. Pre- I don't think you could prepare for something like this, right? I, I, and I felt the same way. Well, it's funny. I, I'm sorry. I felt I felt the same way a few weeks a few weeks ago. Like it's a photo of me potentially floating out there with a picture with a, a black a black woman cop, right? And so she came in Uncle Bobby. Yeah, no word. I was like, yo, this can't get out. I, I turned my head in the joint, but. She came in, she was, you know, she was cool, she was young, and she was having a conversation, the people around me, and, like, I was taking inventory of how I was feeling. I was like, yo, I don't feel anything, which is weird when I typically see a cop, a white cop, a black male cop, that's when the anxiety starts to, to, to run rampant, right? But I didn't feel that at all. And so that's what I'm saying with this, I just didn't feel, right? And that's something I can't manufacture 
right? I, I don't, and again, this could come from a, you know, epigenetically speaking, everything that's happened in my family tree, um, uh, environmental wise and and nature wise, right? So, but that's what I was what I was referencing. But no, I, I do. It's not about you know. I see the wearing the Superman cape and suppressing our body and minds after response to trauma can be problematic. It can, right? But I don't I don't consider it a Superman cape, right? I don't think I for me is again it's how you view it, right? So I view like the Black Liberation work. I don't view that as I view that as responsibility. Right. And I, I don't view that as the same burden that I might view something else. I don't view it as a burden at all. Um, so for me, I know what I need to do in order to help the people. And that may mean, uh, for lack of a better word, suppressing at times for the greater good of community. It does, but that, that's it's not, Superman. though, because it's not Superman. It's, it is, it's actually community. It's community, Kate. It's, it's it's what it's it's no different than what I feel for what I may whatever I would need to do for my children, right? I don't view that, that as Superman, right? I view that as my my duty, right? I view the work that I do as long as it's not taking a substantial toll on me to where I can't recover. So you've learned to pretty much compartmentalize the emotions, like how you feel in these certain situations so that it doesn't impact. But don't you have to? Like the, Aren't you doing that right you know, now? I, you don't feel like no. you are? I can't. I, I don't know. I don't believe in like suppressing it. Like, or if I do, I want somebody to call me out on it so I can't, so I can stop that. But I feel as though so maybe the language, maybe the language, maybe I'm not doing a, a better job of articulating it. So I guess in order to get given the feelings that you felt, right? And I know this is cathartic, us having this conversation about it, that's helped you process. But I, I think also there was a part of you that after watching it, where it was just like, man, now I have to get on here, right? For the greater good of community to be able to hopefully hold space for anybody that wanted to come on and have conversation about it. So it's it's not ignoring, but it's saying, because yeah. I'm sure you may have felt like a not good enough potentially to not even come on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I had emotions. Definitely. I told you, like, my hands were feel free to Feel the, free to hit the, the hit the join live, good brother Gabe. I would love to hear your thoughts on just everything that's taking place. We've we've gone all around the world having this conversation. Sorry to cut you off, Shane. Uh, having this I conversation did. about the aftermath of Tyree Nichols is just how, how we're all navigating it. Uh, you being somebody who's, who's active. Uh, we were just having a conversation about this idea of compartmentalizing. And I was saying, like, part of me, I can't desensitize myself from, I don't want an aspect of me to be desensitized because I need to show up. I still need to show up in the way that I need to show up for the greater good of community. So, and so we were just having this conversation, really trying to flesh out what we're what we're doing. No, I completely agree. Somebody on the front line of activist work should have the space of freedom to cry, express as many times necessary to rebound and keep running. No, I completely agree with that. But also those there's moments where you you might want to cry, but you can't. Right. 
Because, I can't you, though. That's, because, that's the point that I'm driving. But look, I, that's the point where I'm driving. Because you, you brought up the point. You said I'm, you, you were feeling some type of way. You probably didn't feel like coming on. All of that is true. But I believe in the power of dialectics. I believe that two things can be true at the same time. I can be feeling emotion. I can be feeling angry. I can be feeling uh, sad about the situation and also still show up for my community. I don't think that we have to choose but, to do one thing. But in this other. moment, you I can't cry. That, I mean, you can cry in this moment. Right. No, no, no. You can. cry. No, no, no. In this moment, in this space, if you wanted to cry, you could. Right. But there are certain moments where we we do have to take. Inventory. Of our surroundings, what we're actively engaged in and recognize in this moment cannot show up in this way. Right. No matter if it's authentic or not. So I think about, and it, you know, I'm anti-war, all of that. I think about that. Somebody out in war who's in the act of combat, it could be life, life or death, this idea of crying in that moment. Right? And so I look at this as the same way. So right now, yeah, in the space, if I, if I want to emote, if I want to cry, sure. But I know once I get to certain spaces where, yeah, I, I have to. Oh man, I almost used the uh, super un, unhealthy, toxic slang. I I'll say I can't. No, I, I don't want to say suppress, but I have to put that to the side for later. Does that? How does that work? Does that work better? I can't do it at eleven. I can't do it at eleven, but I'm gonna make space for myself to do it at four. But we do. I think we do that all the time in our daily work, right? The work that we do. If we really sat there in the moment and responded in a way uh, that could be somehow counterproductive to what it is that we're doing, we're not going to be able to do it. So after that's afterwards, we might go decompress and 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 practice self care in a way that we need to, because in that moment, when sis is telling you everything that transpired, if you break out in tears. That may be a healthy thing. It may be a positive thing for the for the therapeutic relationship, but also it could not be. And so you might have to save that for a late bit later when you're talking to your therapist about this what happened and processing it and letting out those tears that you couldn't earlier. Does that make sense? I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to find my way. <laughs> Word. Word. Okay, y'all can feel. Free. Free as we our time is it's getting late. It's nine o'clock. Oh, it's nine o'clock. If y'all got thoughts, because clearly I can talk. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't know where. Where do we go? Say it again. It's a great point. I said no. These are great points. Yeah, I, it's just. It's. It's just. But these are all of the things that I talk about. So tomorrow, you you heard me say, you tell my dissertation chair, I'm not coming to residency. <laughs> Yo, and, and what's interesting, being in academia, you've been in academia, right? Um, I started this program uh, right after the summer of George Floyd. Um, then Jacob Blake was shot and paralyzed like the first week of classes. We got Ahmaud Arbery, we got Breonna Taylor, we got 
all of these things that have taken place throughout the midst of my doctoral pursuit. And it's still that recognition, like tomorrow, like I gotta show up because I'm, I'm, I'm one of two Negroes maybe out of three cohorts. And nobody really knows what we got to navigate to show up the way that we got to show up. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm supposed to process this and take this and then go sit around white folk, well-meaning white folk, right? Some of them who I like very much. And they're probably checking on you, but it's, it's the, I mean, like you alluded to, to like the, the plight of being black. Hey, Tim. Um, the plight of being black in America, right? So like we're expected to show up in different spaces to remain professional, whatever that means, and to kind of just like keep life going in the midst of black trauma. Yeah. And I, and I think that's where, you know, it's just like, what do we, where do we go from here? Um, I, I think about, about that. Like for me, it's, it's not, I'm not going up tomorrow. I'm not, not going up. I, I'm, I'm not sitting around and having this conversation. Why? Because this secondary trauma is impacting me in some way that it might not be felt. So even though I say I'm desensitized, that doesn't mean that the intake of what transpired isn't manifesting and, and, and building up and won't come out at some point. Right. And so, so then it's recognizing allow, and offering grace and allowing myself space to allow it to come out, hopefully in a, a healthy, adaptive way. Or it might be a, a, a Issa Wright tear the crib up type of moment, which is also OK. All right. But I, I think what's what's next in these spaces as we try to to, you know, we talk about abolishing these different types of systems is really shifting how we showing up in these systems in the aftermath. I think that's one of the things that we really need is to, to have conversation on. What are, what are your thoughts? Which includes abolishing like the mental health system, <laughs> which needs a lot of reconstruction. Um, I think so. So what we're seeing here and we, we, alluded to this earlier like what we're seeing here is definitely products of white supremacy but even like the the aftermath and the how we're expected to move on and how we're expected to even like suppress and continue on our day by day like that's also a product yeah. of white supremacy right like enslaved africans were not allowed to express emotion they weren't allowed to feel they weren't allowed to to process you know they had to continue on with like their day's work and I think that's something that, as Black people, like that's something that was passed down generationally. Yeah. So in terms of the no, 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 yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just taking it in. Yeah, I, it's, it's just like, what are we doing with these businesses that where we realize mm -hmm. aren't they? They did their George, their summer of George Floyd money donations and you know, putting racism and racism on the back of helmets. Uh, you might've got a, a Christmas mm -hmm. bonus because you're a Negro and we don't, we went through all the, yeah, right. <laughs> we, you know, we got discounts. You might've had your white friends like cash up a black person today. 
we we did all of that, right? But now it's just like, how are we going to show up in these spaces? Do we do? Are we showing up? In a in a way where we can offer our skill, whatever it is, our skill, but not our entire selves. Like really focusing on that as we move forward, knowing that we're going to be showing, we got to show up to to spaces like work, right? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's something we're still trying to navigate and figure out. It's hard out here, though. Yeah, I mean, because it's again, it's it's it, and like this where the the hyper focus on on one. It's the, the entire the entirety of it all that's mm -hmm. that does us so much damage, right? And it's, it's again, it's if we what are we grounded in? What are we going to become rooted in? So where we're not centering them, because even like this type of situation, it centers them, right? It centers their their um, their brutality <laughs> as a as a as an institution, as a people, and so that means bringing in the the, the I saw some videos of Tyree, just his photography and just the things that he enjoyed doing. And this is where we start to center ourselves in the in the midst of this, right? We start looking at it at things with the the old saying Sonia Sanchez adage of how does it free us, right? And not engaging in things that don't necessarily free us in any capacity or doesn't lend to our our well being in in any capacity. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Y'all, I know some stragglers are here. Y'all, y'all could have hit that button because I'm getting sick of me talking. I ain't huh? talking. No, no, but I, I, I got talking. the raps. You know, you you talk more than me, so you know I don't necessarily have the opportunities. My pod just came back, so I'm trying to find my voice. Rhetorically speaking, on YouTube at Phil MSW, right? I'm just trying to find my voice. Trying to get used to it again, right? So I'm not necessarily having conversations with folk on a regular basis. It's probably why. But, but even that, that's interesting. Where, you know, I, I say the HBCU experience is a labor of love to, to be there. Um, yeah, I teach on on Tuesday. And again, this talks about the just the, the myriad of traumas that Black folk have to experience. So... I teach synchronously on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 930 to 1045. Last week at the school, I had at class, I had some people email me like they're not going to be there. They're not going to come out for whatever reason. And I was like, all right, cool. One sister, she didn't explain it. And so I, I gave her an excuse. I'm like, listen, you was going, she's on some committee. I'm like, well, listen. I gave you a, a, an excuse for this one. You done missed the first week of class, right? I can't do nothing about this second one. Uh, and so after after this one class, sister, she was like, oh, she, you heard about Dell State. I was like, wait, what, what happened? She was like, she said it was all on the shade room and I went on there, but I didn't see it. She was like, they're protesting because of sexual assaults that took place on, that have taken place on campus. And so I did my research on it because I was aware sexual assaults had been taking place because they'll send, they'll call you, they'll send you the text and you'll get the email, nothing from administration, of course. Um, but the students had protested. They, 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 they were protesting the, the leadership, the lack of accountability. The most recent 
a sexual assault was about two weeks ago on a Sunday early morning. And come to find out, I believe there are seven sexual assaults. There have been seven sexual assaults on Dell State's campus since since August 2022, and they're all still pending. Right. And so the students are outraged as they should be. And so they went around, they protested and I'm proud of them. They get in, you know, they're speaking to the police, the police are laughing in their faces, right? Um, and this video was circulating on social medias, other campuses got involved with the pro, you know, protesting. And and so on Tuesday, we had to go away from syllabus syllabus content, which I'm all here, I'm here for. I don't give a fuck about it anyway. Uh, to have a conversation about the sexual assaults that's taking place on campus, the protests. I didn't receive anything from people within the department discussing the protests, right? And I'm in the social work department, but this goes to show you how HBCUs are white-facing institutions, right? They might be Black in name and Black in personnel, but they have white aspirations, much like these five white officers who clearly they had they they had this desire to ignore self again but they have they have no knowledge of self and so we sat and had those conversations but and i'm in a room i'm first to put you the social work profession uh is primarily women right it's dominated by white women but a lot of black women and so in my class we have 13 out of 15 students are black women yet we haven't heard anything from administration and so making space for that to take place, to 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 verbally admonish administration if need be. And the same thing is going to have to take place in the classroom on Tuesday. We're going to have to have a conversation about that, uh, about what's taking place. But again, everything that one has to carry in order to, to show up, to get an education, um, and just to live, to be Black folk, for Black folk, is just, it's mind-boggling. That's ridiculous. It was on yeah, the shade room. Yeah, I, I, che- I, I, yeah, I, I checked the shade room. I didn't see it there, but I saw it. I saw it a lot on Twitter. Um, I saw some some protest on Instagram, but yeah, it was. You know, it was. It's for, for me. It's what's to be expected of of all of these institutions. In my eyes, they're all the same. There, there is. It's literally no different. You know, oppression, marginalization, and, and brutalization in some capacity, whether it's psychologically, emotionally, or physically, spiritually, or all of the above, like in, in Tyree Nichols' case. That's crazy. I got to do more research on that. I haven't. I haven't yeah. Yeah. But, that goes, but that goes to show you, too, right? Like, we see what's happening in, in society to Black folk. But it it takes this to really galvanize some folk. And be honest, even when I saw the video and I went to go check my timeline, my timeline wasn't jumping about this, right? It wasn't, it, and that's why the the uh, the beauty of I don't want to say the the beauty and timing of the George Floyd death was the fact that we were in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. Because other than that. That could have something else. It could have been an entirely different turnout with that same footage, with that same turnout. So, yeah, man. Listen, 
got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Wait, I thought I saw <laughs> something. I don't want to leave. I think a lot of the path forward, path forward looks like tightness, supportive communities that educate, provide resources, and help move the positions of power. It's not a new thought, but the execution is scattered, fragmented. Yeah. Yeah, like none of this is new, right? I think that's the that's the most interesting part. Go when you go watch. I'm trying to think. What documentary did I watch? Uh, this was some years ago. There was a like a five six part OJ documentary on on ESPN. It was done really well, and they started. They went to the Watts riots. They went to so many different um, points, tipping points in the black community when it came like just to police. Um, and this continues, right? Like this continues. This is nothing new. The strategies that we've discussed are nothing new. And that's why I sit and think about the more knowledge of self that I have, the more ground that I've become It's like, okay, now what more can I do? Right? What what more can I do? I, I, I got the foundation now. Now I can start adding a little bit more to, to my plate. But I think, and this goes back to, and I'm yeah, wrapping up because I'm getting tired. But that goes back to <laughs> that goes back to your um, your point of like, okay, what well, what more should I be doing? More should I be doing more? And I think we gotta show ourselves like grace when it comes to stuff like that because I think you're doing a lot, right? So like, you're getting a whole doctorate degree. That in itself is a tool for liberation for our people, right? That that is activism, pursuing education. How how is education? I mean, it, it, I don't think it had to be a doctorate, though. Education is a form of activism for sure, but this is, right. um, this is that's uh, that's an interesting question. I'll let you close out by responding to that question from Penny English three seventeen. Uh, yeah, I, I think just educate the idea of education is is activism, right? Not necessarily this this um this mechanism of academia this this format i don't i don't think so because mm-hmm. I, I probably learned more like this is my fourth degree i've probably learned more in the last two years from non-academic outlets non-academic outlets than from academia you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying so it's for me i just look at it as it's like i'm still phil so that's how my students address me at the end of emails. I put Phil, right? Because that's that's just being true to to who I am and just being authentic to to myself. Now, wife, I don't know, it might be something different. You know what I mean? Like you gonna you gonna call me doctor? But um, but no, it's it is. It's 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 it's, it's definitely a, a tool of activism. Uh, just like yeah. uh, being a therapist, speaking truth to power, no matter sp- whatever space. You might inhabit right this is this is a form it's new age right it's new i think we're still trying to understand it and and figure it figure it out yeah. how we can leverage it more towards community and and actual liberation of people as a as opposed to how so many of us including myself at, at times um have leveraged it but again, that comes with time, that comes with wisdom, that comes with maturity. So that's I stopped scrolling in January along with what I else I was doing. But 
in order to like regain that focus and to reevaluate yeah the the purpose yeah. of social media so as we as we wrap up the question was how do you process rage and i I'll let you in with that. Mm. That's heavy. No, that's real heavy. Um, I mean, first we gotta acknowledge the fact that that is normalize it, right? Like that. I think that is normal for Black people, especially um, to experience that when we are. Oh, they protesting. Oh yeah. Right now. Uh, mm -hmm. So when we are experiencing things like that, especially when we see it happened to people who look like us. So it's certainly normal. Um, with rage, which is an intense uh, emotion, like, like of course there are gonna be physiological reactions to that, right? So how we know to, to respond to physiological respect, uh, reactions to emotion is to activate the body's hypo, um, the, what is that thing called? The, uh, I talk about it all the time, the relaxation system. No. I'm, I'm th my brain is a little fried right now. <laughs> Mine too, because I'm tired. All right, whatever. Y'all know the body has a relaxation system and it's called something. It's hyper something. But I promise you, I won't know it by Monday when I turn my brain back on. So we do that by engaging in things like deep breathing, um, exercise, um, like things that basically relaxes you, right? So oh, thank you, yes. parasympathetic nervous system. I appreciate That's why we're here. Girl, you done saved my life. Yes, parasympathetic nervous system. So when we activate those different systems in the body that activates the body's relaxation system and also learning to talk about it, like it's absolutely okay to like talk about it with our friends, our relatives or whatever. Like Phil just gave an example of how he was at a coffee shop today talking and just creating joy with friends or whatever. So like learning how to verbally process these things is Work. important as well. Yeah, and, and I'll say, and and being out there, right? You just said they're protesting in D.C. Sometimes taking that rage looks like going out and screaming to the top of your lungs, no justice, no no peace, right? And being out there on the front lines in the midst of it all. And that's a way to also process in a, a healthy way, you know, a way that's not maladaptive, that won't cause you potential strife, right? Uh, in the long run, it's another way to 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 navigate that. But again, honoring it, as as Doc said, honor it, honoring it, and recognize it as being real, recognizing the origins of it is is vital, right? Is is critical. Mm -hmm. So, where man, we we went. I wasn't expecting you for. I, can I tell people you broke your fast for this? And that I. Have I had the I had the I had the guilt trip you into coming on. I had, uh, nah, it's well, technically I'm I'm done at midnight. Yeah, no, nah, but I, I, I as I said, I think this is is part of it, right? Like I don't believe in coincidences. Like your last your last day is today, and and we have this taking place, right? It was just like it's the old adage of. You know, if you pray for patience, you're not going to be given patience. You're going to be given uh, experiences where you have to exhibit patience, right? And so, yeah. it might have been building you up for this for this two hour run with your boy. So, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's been long, oh man. I think that it dropped at like it's like an hour and some change, hour and some change. 
Yeah, I, I'll try to do what I can to doctor it up um, and try. I'll save it to my joint to see what I can do. I appreciate word, it. Word. Well, everybody, I appreciate y'all coming through. Thank you, Doc, for, for coming and having this conversation. Don't forget to, to follow me. Just hit the follow button. I don't know how you do that on this joint, but <laughs> go ahead and follow me. Uh, and likewise, follow Doc. And what you got coming up? What do I have coming up? Uh, Black History Month is coming up, so I'll be talking what about you that be doing on for the podcast. Um, just different guests and stuff, and talking about history. <laughs> Why are you trying to come? What on? you gonna come on? We're gonna do a double, uh, a double show. I, I need somebody. Feel free if you want to Peace, peace, brother. Um, come, come through next Thursday. I'm gonna be showing the documentary on Zora Neale Hurston that PBS showed. So I'm a live stream that on my YouTube and Facebook channels. So Phil MSW. And then we're going to have a talk back around like seven o'clock on the documentary. And again, it goes to, to this and how we navigate these spaces that, that we frequent. So uh, but yeah, I'll come on. We could we could have that conversation. Or we could do it officially like one and one. I thought that I said Kiki Palmer. I was about to say, damn, you really are famous. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was about to say, how's the no, baby, so- Kiki? <laughs> sending love and light to you, my sister. Kiki <laughs> <laughs> oh, Palmer is hilarious to Word. me. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. Well, yeah, hit the <laughs> All right, Phil. All right, everybody, be safe. Peace. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.